Jacko, mate. Yep. End of the championships. Bit of a sad time. They've obviously got next weekend as well. Got a couple of big race meetings. The weekend was bloody tough. There's no two ways about it. But first of all, headsets on. We've still got the autumn sun in the background. It's not all doom and gloom. How are you? Mate, not too bad. Not too bad. Look, the plenty of conditions could have been blamed. And, you know, we can, we can sit here and lick our wounds all we want. But I think uh, if you made some money over the weekend, you should probably either go to church or go buy a lottery ticket or both. For sure. The, the thing about the meetings on the weekend was that I actually started really well. And I thought, yeah, here we go. Today's going to be a good day. I backed a couple of winners in Melbourne, had a few nice results early. And then, yeah, you saw how that track played out. It was just going to be very, very difficult to make any cash. And I think that was the turning point as well. There was like the first five races, the track seemed to play okay and almost even fair, you'd say. Obviously, the on-pace had a little bit of bias, but it was almost like a turning point. The second half of the card, it just absolutely capitulated. So, I mean, and, and that's when most of the betting was done in the end of the day. For sure. And I, you don't have to give a figure, nothing like that, but how did you end up faring? I, look, I had a little fight back at the end with Alaskan God, which I'm sure we'll touch on later on for the best Western. So there's always a little bit left in the tank. But um, yeah, look, it was, a, it was a, not a great day. It wasn't a, you know, the, the, the ship sinking, but we've got to bounce back next week, put it that way. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what that track looks like next Saturday as well. So let's, let's discuss the track before we get into anything else. So heavy nine, heavy 10, they come out and say, but this the horses were getting a good 20 centimetres of their legs in that in that ground, weren't they? Yeah, the horses were submerged. It was absolutely waterlogged. Like you, you can have a you can have a wet track, but this track was absolutely waterlogged. And unless you're going out there on a dolphin, you just got to hope that your horse finds a, a, the best part of the track. There you go. Unless you're going out there on a dolphin. So unfortunately, we didn't see any dolphins going around at Randwick. I was out there. There were a few nice looking girls out there, but no dolphins, unfortunately. Um, now, before we get into our races and our recaps, I want to play a little bit of a game with you. All right. And it's, it's obviously this game's based on the last couple of weeks, but also just over the entire autumn. So I want real stuff from you here, though, and I want honesty. And that's what I'm looking forward to. So we're going to play a game of real news or fake news. Tell me what, which one it is first and then let rip, Jack, Jacko. I want you to really get, get going here. So first one, should they race for the amount of money, so the amount of prize money that they did in the conditions that were offered on the weekend? I'm going fake news. I'm saying fake news. It was especially the, the 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, those races in particular, it was incredible to see horses like Colette, very elegant, uh, Animo being pulled up 15, 16 lengths behind them, barely even finishing the race. And you're telling me that Think It Over, who doesn't handle a heavy track at all, somehow finds the best part of the track and all of a sudden there's a $4 million race one. Like, it was insane to me to see that them go around. And I had the sort of the inkling, and we spoke about it on Friday as well, they might potentially uh, cancel the meeting or postpone it, which they did at Rose Hill a couple of weeks back. And I thought that was probably the appropriate thing to do looking back now. So fake news for me, mate. I, I thought fake news at first. I'm leaning back towards real now because if you, if you look at a track that hasn't had any rain in months and you get a good three, sometimes even a firm two, does that have the same disadvantage for these horses that like a wet track? So I think sometimes you just got to cop what you dish up. I do agree that it is an absurd amount of cash to be throwing around based on probably only one or two horses that can ever win the races. So yeah. Interesting. Bit of real, bit of fake there. Question two, have we seen, and this 
it pains me to say this. Have we seen the best of Very Elegant? And is she on her way out? I'm going fake news again. I, I'm going to give her one more chance, purely on the basis of that track. Like even the, even the best mudlarks, the best mud runners were not handling that track on the weekend. You just could not pick it. I think you just got to look back three starts when she had that dominant win. Um, you know, just, just give her her props. She's a champion. Have faith in the trainer, Chris Wallop. She'll probably go around another Cox Plate Caulfield Cup path again. I also think, and this is something we spoke about as well, I also think she probably doesn't have that brilliance for these shorter trips now. She should just be extended out as an older mare into those longer trips and allow her to sort of ease into her racing a bit more and not have to be so sharp and on the toe. I'm also fake news. I, if you saw what she did past the post, like he even saw James McDonald. He was cuddling Nash 50 metres after the line. I just think this is a total, and you very rarely see this with Waller, but I think it was a total muck-up of preparation. I really do. I think she should have stuck to her 2,400-metre grand final. Maybe just as she's gotten older too, she doesn't like, like everyone thinks she's a wet tracker. Maybe she actually doesn't like the going as much anymore either. So as she's gotten a little bit older, I'm saying fake news, maybe optimistically, but that's, that's where I sit. Next one. Mazu should be receiving an Everest slot. I'm going real news. I'm not going to say he's going to win, but based on what he's done, especially this campaign since he's returned as a gelding, you just have to throw him in there. I've got a little bit of question marks around the 1200 based on what I saw on Saturday. I'd like to see him on top of the ground in a nice group one, group two race as well, because obviously we've had a lot of wet tracks and he excels on those. But I just thought that the 1200 really saw him out on the weekend. So I've got a few question marks around there, but oh, for sure he deserves a slot based on this campaign. And He's, he's a horse that we love and we've just followed him all the way through and just counting the cash. I wish we had enough money to sponsor him in an Everest because this is real, real news for me. We, he's become our horse, hasn't he? He really has very quickly too. He's, I, I suppose a lot of people have been riding it. When you've got a picket fence the way he's got going this prep, it's going to happen. But real news, real news for me. Look, Ned, I've got one for you as well, mate. I know you might have a couple more, but this is one I've sort of been thinking about during the week as well. And we've only had a couple of days to digest, but back to the Queen Elizabeth, we've obviously had a little bit of a touch on it and, and um, you know, just gave our initial thoughts. But I've got to ask you, real news or fake news, if Think It Over was four to one instead of 40 to one, would Nash have taken it all the way out to the outside? If he was hard in the market, he was under pressure, he was the favourite, would he have taken him out there? I'm going to say, and this is because I have prior knowledge, I'm going to say fake news, I believe. So I believe he would have done it either way. So fake news. Why? Nash was interviewed post-race and said that he wanted to do it in a race earlier in the day and said, no, nah, I'm going to save it for the big one. I get what you're saying, but I'm going to say... I'm going to say fake news. I think you would have done it either way. What about yourself? Look, I'm going real news. And the reason is, is that if he was $4 or $3.50, imagine the backlash if he goes out there and the horse goes nowhere. All of a sudden, he finds the wrong part of the track. You would at least try to maybe a race in the second or third during the day just to see what's going on out there and have a look and then try it again. So I also think the communication probably doesn't come from the trainer if they're hard in the market as well. So I'm going real news. Interesting. It is interesting. It gave me shades of Osborne Bulls in that Everest when it came down the outside. So it was, it was pretty cool to watch. Good spectacle. He's copped a $40,000 fine, mind you, Nash. So he's, 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 he's left some bruises on the horse by the sounds of things. He's given it 28 cuts with the whip from the 400 or something. 
we'll, we'll go back to the game in a moment, but let's discuss it because we are into it now. So Nash does this, right? He has his 28 cuts with the whip. He then gets a $40,000 fine for standing up in celebration, changing 400 lanes across and the whip. With the whip use, what do we do with it, mate? Like, is it, should, on game day, should Jamie Carr be going, hang on, that's bullshit. I'm only allowed to hit my horse eight times. Why does he get to hit it 20 more times? Like, what's... Well, it's a, it's, it's a tough one because you could go back to Jamie Carr and go, you know what, you're riding in a group one. Yes, the final will be there. There may be a suspension off the back of it as well, but this is the grand final. You've come up to Sydney. Do you really care if you can hit it eight times or nine times or whatever the cap is? Some jockeys go by the book and all respect to them. They're doing the right thing and, and you know, you, you can't blame them for that. But on the other hand, you see it every single week, jockeys getting fined, suspended for extra cuts of the whip. It's just adrenaline. You're in a group one. You've, you've already shifted, like you said, 40 lanes across the track to the outside. Once you're there, you're not just going to sort of ride him out and count one, two, give him a hit, one, two, give him a hit. You're going to absolutely unleash. And to be fair, I don't mind this sort of thing. And Nash is my favorite jockey in Sydney. I've pretty much declared that. Regardless of what happened over the weekend, I just think he's the best in, in what he can produce out of the horses. But he can flirt with the line. And to be honest, Ned, my personality, I actually love that. <laughs> They're the jockeys you want to be with, aren't they? The ones that'll take the gap, the ones that'll shove a horse out of the way in the big ones. So I, I agree. I, it's probably not a great look for racing to be doing that 28 times within 12 metres. But look, back in the day, they used to hit them 500 times between the three and the 400. So it's interesting. But real news or fake news, Sydney's autumn matches Melbourne's spring. Oh, that's big. That's a big one. I, I'm going. I'm going. Nothing comes close to Melbourne Spring, to be honest. Like I, I, I love the racing and what they're able to produce in the autumn. But you see it every year that most tracks are waterlogged each year. So that's number one. Number two, the whole spectacle surrounding what happens in the spring in Melbourne and how it's, you know, they call it the race that stops the nation, the Melbourne Cup, and that's not even on the best day of racing for that week. It's Derby Day, and you know. Being there and being in the championships and doing both, I'm pretty confident in saying that, you know, uh, that's a bit of fake news there. I agree. Fake news for sure, Melbourne Spring. I think it's just that time of year, the colours, everything just gets me very aroused. Um, look, how'd we fare? We tipped a couple of winners. So we, we started super. Obviously, race one, Williamsburg, we tipped on top. Um, I believe it was race four. We tipped a nice each way horse as well. Um, what was that horse called? Um, Lady, Lady Laguna. And that's a horse I'd probably be keen to follow going forward as well. I think she's a really good prospect on wet tracks. Had no luck, was three wide again, got chopped out at the 200 and still managed to find a place. So she was 480 the place, so cannot complain. For sure. And then we had Marzu as well, who we'll get to a little bit later on. We'll, we'll, do, we'll run through the Rose Hill races. I just want to quickly touch on race one. So obviously tip Williamsburg. I think it's a nice horse. They've decided to change the tactics on this horse and make it more of a sort of chasing type. I think it works. He likes to race up to horses rather than lead them up. Did you have any opinions coming out of the race? Yeah, I didn't want to take anything going forward. I thought it was a really nice win and defied the, the betting drift as well, which is really good to see. You know, nine times out of, t- out of 10, the market's going to be right in these situations, especially with the, uh, the young horses. So I thought it was impressive win. He came away really nicely in the end too. So great way to start the day. For sure. Race two, um, I was pretty keen on Lock Eagle. I made it my best for the day. Um, I thought I had every chance to go past. It probably went back to the, the worst part of the track, but these are two horses to follow, in my opinion. The winner, Villainer and, and Lock Eagle. Just before I ask you about your opinion on the race, I thought Villainer 
found a little bit late. I, I thought that was an obviously they walked in that race, so she had every right to sort of have a little bit left in the tank. But I thought it was a super run. Cummings is a massive wrap on this horse, and Sam Clipperton's come off with raving reviews, basically saying, I've ridden Bivouac once and I've ridden this horse once and, and they've both given me a similar feel and we know how good Bivouac was, don't we? Yeah, for sure. He was a freak. He was one of the best three-year-old Colts going around. He's, um, he, he was pretty special. I remember that Newmarket win. It was very, very good. Race three, we'll probably skip over race three. I just want, wanted to touch on Kiss Sum as another horse to follow. It's, they've said that they're going to go up for a Stradbroke. Um, obviously clearly gets through heavy ground. It's always heavy ground in that, that Doombin sort of Eagle Farm um, that winter carnival. They've said they're going to take the three-year-old up there for, for a Stradbroke. The trainer usually does this, Tracy Bartley, so might be one to follow there. I don't know what sort of price you'd get, but yeah. Um, but race four, so Percy Sykes will go into this race as well. We tip Lady Laguna, who was, it was an interesting run. Like she sort of loomed into the race, Hit the front. I thought that it was going to let down really super. Didn't. Then copped a weird squeeze. Got pulled back. And Paris Dior was probably too good over the top. Yeah. You know, really well prepared by the Snowdens as well, the winner. And that was another uh, horse that was a big drifter in betting as well. And another defy there. So, um, you know, all honest to the to the top two there. But Lady Laguna, I thought we'd been done for the place there. I thought, no way. 480, we've missed out. The, it, the thing's been chopped out. It's been three wide. I'm like, fuck, it, it's that type of day. But managed to fall in. I did, don't know how it finished there, but he, but they fell in in the end. But I, yeah, like I said, I'm more than happy to stick with Lady Laguna going forward. She was three wide the trip. Yes, she does enjoy the heavy track, but she was a big chance at sort of the four five hundred when they were turning. She just has this big imposing gallop about her, and she was outside them. And you go, oh shoot, here we go. She was nineteen to one or something stupid uh, the night before. But happy to stick with her going forward. And um, outside of that, there's not much else that um, I can really make a case for. To be fair, for sure, for sure. Race five, so this is where we get into more of the, the main races for the day. The next four or five are all pretty heavily heavily invested races by punters. So the Arrowfield three-year-old sprint. So one of our favourite horses, Money on Mars, who collects the cash for us again. Can't say much more than this horse just keeps winning and keeps doing the right thing. Yeah, it's clockwork. You could almost run his last four starts and they'd be exactly the same. Clippo presses the button at the same time. He cuddles him right up to the same mark. And it's pretty much won by similar margins each time as well. So, you know, you'd love to own a horse like this. Just sits up near the speed or on the speed, gives a kick when he needs to, always tries all the way to the line as well. Like, just a super horse to be involved with, I reckon. But, yeah, look, we, we've done really well off this horse, off this campaign. So, hopefully, they take him out for a spell now. They don't get greedy and carry on and back him up on these wet tracks because he does go well on them. Again, Hopefully they go to the Everest. Hopefully they get a slot. I've just got a little bit of a concern around the 1200. So I'd like to see him targeted at some real high level 1100 races. For sure. It, interesting as well in an Everest where he'd actually sit in the run. Like, would he be in the first couple or would they, they snag him back and try and save him up for a big last 400? I suppose high, high pressure race, you probably can afford to save him for a big burst. But I've got to say, I thought in the Congo was very, very good considering he was off the bit at the 500. Um, Obviously got to control things, but I thought he was actually... He, he pretty much didn't get ground taken off him after the 300. They held that sort of half length to a length. And then I thought Paul Ailey was a little bit disappointing after running third in a TJ. But yeah, Marzu, we're happy with him, aren't we? Money um, on Marzu. <laughs> the Australian Oaks, we spoke about this race being not of the greatest quality. They never are. I don't think there's any horses, maybe Gypsy Goddess to follow out of this, but El Patroness... Promised a fair bit last campaign. 
Um, that was for, for an Oaks down in Melbourne at Flemington. Comes out, Frosty gets the job done. Geez, I was... I don't know. I was filthy after this race. Yeah, this was the turning point for me in terms of, oh, like what's going on here with the track. This was because El Patroness doesn't really have much of a wet track profile. She's run okay before, but there's there's not real much to go off and you go, okay, she was 30 to one. Yes, Frosty gave her the absolute peach ride. Like he's just a gun jock. We got Nash in Sydney for me, he sits at the pedestal. And then you've got this bloke, Damien Lane, who for me is just head and shoulders above everyone in Melbourne. So Good to see them all there on the weekend. But back to this race, look, there's not much to take forward. I mean, horses like Gypsy Goddess, this was the grand final. So where do you go Where do you go from here with those horses? Do they go back up to Queensland and, you know, just get some easy kills up there? Probably. Um, but that, the horse is obviously good through the line, but didn't make any impression on the winner through the end. But, yeah, look, this was the first one where I went, oh, the, the alarm bells are starting to ring at Randwick now. Like, this could be, uh, you know, a bit of a blackout result. Completely agree. I, I do think Gypsy Goddess might be one to follow. I, I think she'll go better on top of the ground. I know she got through it okay. I think she will be better on top of the ground. And if Van Dyke's bringing her down here for a race like this, I don't want to put her in the bin whatsoever. I think she's she's definitely one to keep following. And and I thought Hinged as well. Like 2400's not her go. I think she's around that 1600 to 2000. That's where she still has her sprint. I'm going to continue to follow that horse as well. Sydney Cup. So... I think I actually flicked you a message just prior to the race. And this is speaking of alarm bells. We, the alarm bells were very, very well going off. We knew what it, it wasn't a race that batted deep, but it also wasn't a race that had much speed in it. Once the track was playing this way, this horse was a very obvious big night's order. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I did manage to have a little bonus bet on the end. So that kept me going um, for the, for the last sort of back end of the card. But yeah, again, speaking of the alarm bells before, this was almost the confirmation of it, that there's something very wrong here with the track. And unfortunately it was pretty much confirmation that a lot of the horses weren't going to get their chance. So night's order, I think it's fair to say was probably, you know, wouldn't be in the top five as far as talent goes for, for this type of race. There was plenty of nice types in here and to see him and also Shiraz, who's done absolutely nothing since it's been in Australia had a half decent run. Um, I think that was in a listed race. It ran fourth, but outside of that, it's really done nothing and shown nothing. Just because he seemed to be up up on the pace, you know, they gapped the rest of the field. And I thought, oh shit! What was the third thing as well? It was from Adelaide, the Aiden Sweet Junior. Yeah, that, the thing from Adelaide as well is like that. That form was well inferior to anything coming in for those three horses to trifecta it and put an absolute gap on the rest of the field. I mean, looking back on it now, I wish I would have just gone. You know what? Ramwick is no longer a betting prospect here. We need to just, you know, pack up stumps, put the cue in the rack, take a deep breath and wait for the best Western. <laughs> we, will, we will get to that. I'm getting very excited in the build-up to that conversation. But look, this is the thing about these Gay and Adrian horses. When there are track patterns and tracks that are playing this way, you can throw trust into them because A, their horses are so tough and B, there's no question where they're going to be in the run. So uh, as much as I knock the track and it's it's difficult to watch horses that have so much ability not get their chance as punters sometimes we just have to adapt don't we absolutely absolutely and just on waterhouse as well her horses are trained to the absolute minute they all go forward they all they all just keep grinding away to the line and they're impossible to get past and i've had a little laugh about how they pump them up to the eyeballs before full of shit but um look you you just got to pay respect to that stable every time you see them in these sort of big target races Race eight was the Queen Elizabeth and we were licking our lips about this race. We couldn't have been more excited. And let me tell you, there's nine runners in the race and the first four has paid 40,000 
dollars, which probably tells you a little bit about what happened. Think it over's paid $34 in one of the probably the smartest ride I've seen in a couple of years in terms of just completely outsmarting the other jockeys and just trying something different. Um, I couldn't help but feel like I should have had five bucks on him. Like we, I think we spoke about, you know, you got think it over at $41 in a race. Like, yes, it reeks of the quality of the race, but maybe it, uh, hindsight's easy, but it, maybe it was wrong. Um, oh, I just don't even know how to react to this race, Jackson. I oh, know, I oh, know. It's, it's a tough one to take when you see something at 40 to 1 go around. But to be honest, then I'd let him go around again because the horse had had, I think it was three starts on a heavy before, had not run in the top three. You know, this was a high-quality field. And the same could be said for Zaki as well. Yes, he got through, he get, does get through the going, but he just definitely doesn't enjoy that, that sort of track as well. He, he's more a horse that needs to be on top of the ground as well. To see them Quinella this race, and fucking third was Mount Popper. It was who who should have been eased up fifteen lengths last, like like genuine benchmark ninety horse. He's a benchmark ninety horse. Like you, you know, he he'd been beaten by Stockman um, three weeks back, and you know Stockman's another benchmark ninety horse at Goulburn or you know Musclebrook wherever you want to throw them out. But for those horses to trifecta, and and we spoke about uh, you know the Sydney Cup before, it just became a non-betting prospect for me. Around we can I can't say it again. Like we should have seen the signs and and packed it up, but. Touching on a few of those in behind, obviously very elegant. The wheels were spinning, and you never see that with her. The wheels were spinning at the sort of four or five hundred, and she just couldn't pick up and go with them. Obviously, it was on that. It looked like a really waterlogged part of the track when you compare it to where Nash was able to get Think It Over. So you can definitely use that as the caveat. And she did pick up again over the last sort of two hundred meters. It looked like it might have been a dry part of the track potentially. So um, yeah, look again. I'm not going to jump off her. I think she can go forward. But um, look, Animo, there's talk of the stud farm for him, mate. There's talk of the stud farm. So we'll see We'll see if that beckons. I'm happy to forgive him off that run. He's had a slow recovery, um, a poor recovery rate and poor heart rate off the, off the back of that. So we'll see where he goes. We were obviously bullish about both those horses and didn't really get the opportunity to see how they went in the end. Talk to me. 500, 600 of the Queen Elizabeth. You see Animo's already getting cut with the whip, with the deflator. He looks, he looks gone. He, let's be honest, he was gone. What's the heart feel like? Oh, it's just a, a sickening, gut-wrenching feeling. And it, it, it's almost, it's not, it's not so much the money side of it. It's, it's more the pride of it, you know, because you come out, you declare a horse, you go, I'm super confident. And then the track just turns into an absolute beach. And you got absolutely no opportunity for your horse to get anywhere near them. And what's worse as well, it's not as if he, he sort of brought it up to them, was able to get into the race and he just didn't have it. He actually never travelled at any point in the race and was eased up 15 lengths last with a poor recovery. So, I mean, yeah. And we saw it in the race after as well, which I'm sure we'll get to with another runner in the same jacket. I think before we, we touch on the last two races as well, every horse that ran around in a blue jacket, barring that horse that won the third, I think it was. Yep. Um, yeah. Every horse needs to be swabbed. James Cummings needs to be swabbed as well. Everybody that touched the horses throughout the week and, and any, we need to go back and do a thorough investigation into what happened because I'd say of the last three races, so Colette would still be at the 200 right now and, and we'll touch on that. Emanates, emanates just passing the 400 meter post, just trying to let down. And, and Animo didn't even make it to the straight. He went straight into the stables. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. So thank you for that. 
little part. I, I did think that the Blue Army had a massive role to play in the day as well. It had that sniff about it, like they've got all these grand final horses set and ready to run and, gee, didn't the shit hit the fan? Like even you look at character, like it did absolutely nothing on the back half either. So, yeah, very disappointing. Race nine. Now, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Nimalee has won the Queen of the Turf, which I want to, I want to not to take away from Nimalee, but um, Damien Oliver's now ridden his 127th Group 1 winner, which is a new record in Australian racing. I think it's fair to say that he's one of the, the best to ever do it in our country, don't you, don't you reckon? He's a freak. He's a freak. He just never panics, never loses his cool, always gets the best opportunity for his horses to win. And he's done it for, what is that, three decades now or something ridiculous? So he's just... He's one of the best we've seen. Pretty rare I can say that there's a jockey that I didn't... He was already old by the time I started going to the track and I started going when I was two or three. So he's been riding for centuries. Hats off, Nimoli. Great ride. Sat in behind a, a hot speed in Anavisto. They, they definitely didn't muck around with Anavisto. But again, theme of the day, couldn't make any ground. Nimoli, good. I wonder if they'll, they might back her up in an all age. I'm not sure they might... There's a, definitely a chance there because... Why wouldn't you? If you know what the track's going to do, you know you're on pace dominated. Why wouldn't you have a throw at the stumps and try and win another group one with a horse like this? Anavisto, one we followed a little bit. This preparation was obviously really tough. Um, I thought in those conditions, 1600 really finds her out. She's sort of that 14, 1500 metre horse. So she sort of runs a nice race. And Icebath was one of the only horses for the last four or five races that actually made any ground up. Yeah. And, and that's obviously a horse that just loves to swim and I was just surprised all day because horses that normally don't handle the going were able to just jump to the lead here and were just never getting run down. But yeah, Ice Bath just seems to find a placing, never seems to get the kill, just always runs into third and second in these big group ones. But the horses run well again and, you know, there'll probably be support next time they roll out a heavy, heavy deck as well. I was impressed with the run of Yonts. I thought she was really good. She was obviously stepping up a long way in class and we had a lot to say about, oh, do we sit on the fence? Like, do we keep her on side? I was really pleased to see that A, she got through the going well enough. It was obviously chopped out to the max by race nine. And she gets, you know, back to a 1600, which is obviously her better trip. She just doesn't seem to have that brilliance at 2000. Once this horse gets back on top of the ground, and I hope they send her out for a spell, this horse could be anything in the spring. And I haven't lost any admiration at all for this horse and happy to, to roll with her going forward. A horse we have lost admiration for, and I, I, my tone changes, my tone my tone changes because it's we speak about the right recycling bin, we speak about the general waste, and we speak about this little little section we have that lies on our kitchen bench. And that's where your Uncle Toby's muesli bar box sits. It's where, you know, the, 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 the Chinese food you ate on Friday night that someone's picked away at the last couple of days. You just put that on the kitchen bench, hoping someone else will put it in the recycling bin. This is where this horse sits now. I'm not... I can't say that this was purely track. It wasn't. It wasn't purely track. This horse turned up and said, I don't feel like bloody running today. Yeah, it was it definitely a mixture of things. The track was only part of it. Also, where were they going with her? They took her, like, they tried to take her on the Nash route, but Nash Will is not on board. So This is, this is Colette we're talking about as yes, well. Yes. Gather anything from, from yeah. <laughs> the, the build-up. Yeah, this is Colette, and, and, you know, I think it might be the last time we give her any airtime on the potty. Um, just going off your little um, analogy there. But look, she's she's very close to being in the bin for me. I, I'm very conscious that sometimes horses have problems that we don't know about, i.e. September run, had a throat condition for a long time, 
was definitely close to the recycling bin and then comes out and runs really well in a new market and wins a group one, the, the next campaign. So I've got, I've got respect for the trainer, James McDonald. You can't blame him. The horse was out the back. What else are you going to do? Really disappointed because we obviously both stepped in and said, this is our best on the card and never, never even looked like running into the race, let alone coming in the top three or four, like never even looked like blending in at any stage of the race. And the wheels were spinning track was shit, but the horse just didn't want to be there. Pure disappointment. <sighs> Going to cancel, cancel any airtime on Colette now. Um, race 10 is the tab Sapphire. We'll just cover that really quickly. Um, obviously, by this point of the day, the track was just what it was. Bella Nipotina wins, class horse, class jockey, good performance. Um, I actually ended up having a tiny play on a horse called Majestic Shot, who was in behind them. Ran fifth, ran a nice race, just never got an opportunity. What they do with Bella Nipotina from here, I don't know, do they take her over to Adelaide potentially for a couple of those group races or maybe up to Queensland? Yeah, she hasn't had an, had an overly busy campaign, so there would be a little bit left in the tank. You just hope that a run like this hasn't taken it out of her because once you run on a heavy 37, it might be the end of your campaign more often than not. Like horses are really, you know, they'll struggle to recover out of these type of runs, but super impress- impressive. She was the class of the field. We only really got the price because of the condition of the track. You know, if it was a good four, I'd say she'd be half the quote that she was in the end. But, you know, super right as well. J-Mac, he, he always finds one, doesn't he? We can bag him and we can say, oh, you know, he misses out on the big group ones here and there. But he'll always find one in the day. He's just, he's, he's, a, he's the king. For but, sure. um, yeah, look, outside of that, there wasn't much else that I could make a case for. Emanate, another one in the blue jacket. I'm not going to bash the blue jackets anymore. I've already said my piece on how everyone needs to be swabbed including the, the, the stable staff. but is this, a, is this a COVID swab? What sort of swab are we, are we talking here, Jackson? Just a swab for any illegal substances <laughs> of, of, of any kind, of any kind. If, it gets, if you can detect COVID as well, happy to do that too. If, if we need to run two or three swabs on each, happy to do that. But everyone needs to get single file on a line and needs to be swabbed. Get the horses in there, get everyone in there, and let's just work out what the fuck happened on Saturday. I might have to call the, C, the, 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 the administrative staff down at Godolphin and say that you're happy to organise the swab session. Um, we'll have them queued up like we have them queued up at Kamara around the corner if, if, just after Christmas. Um, here we go. This is just what it's all about for me. We don't drop our heads. Never. Never drop our heads. We don't get to race 10 at Randwick on a bottomless track and go, oh, gee, we did it tough today. It was hard work. No, we just steer our direction. We just steer where our eyes go and our eyes go to the best Western, WATC Derby, 2,400 metres, Alaskan God, the best Western, bang. Oh, geez, this was a demolition, Ned. Like, this was equally as impressive as Amelia's Jewel, who's a, you know, one of our old favourites for the best Western as well. But holy shit. Like, this horse is rising in trip and still had a better sprint than when he did, you know, in shorter trips over 18, 2,200. Stepping up to 2,400 here, wasn't really fancied in the market either. They never really backed him and got him into favoritism. Tricks of the trade sort of held that quote that was around the 215. And like, man, I saw $2.40 come up. I'm like, there's no way. There's, there's no possible way. So I just head first, collect something out of the day. You, you save face. But this was a booming win. If anyone wants to go back and watch that replay of Alaskan God, just tucked in sort of worse than midfield. Parnham just got him on that nice wide off the fence trail and presented him. And wow, the horse just went whooshka. It's awesome, mate. We, we got a few very, um, it almost felt like we threw a life jacket out in the water for a few people with that Best Western. It's the first time we've received multiple, multiple messages about it. So 
hopefully you've had something small on or even big on just to save yourself the day and hopefully your beers didn't end up costing you five grand for the day any horses to follow i know it's a tough meeting i've, I've got a couple of horses myself to follow i I got Villana and Lock Eagle. I think they're two really nice horses. I think even Ben the Knee that was in behind them. I think those three are followable horses. Kissum is a potential one. I just know they're talking Stradbroke with it. And then the last one I want to talk about, the well, last two, obviously Marzu going forward, Everest, where are they going to go with it? And Zaki, okay? It, it's not, I'm no rocket scientist for saying that this horse is a horse to follow. And I'm not trying to be the guy that's just found him because I know how well found he is, but... I just think that in terms of racing pattern, the way that the horse is, seems to be prepared every time it runs, it seems to be in tip-top tip shape every time it runs. I love what Annabelle Nation does with this horse. I'm very keen Cox Plate sort of set up for this horse. I think, I think it's going to be a really, really good good spring for the horse as well. Did, did you have any to follow? Yeah, look, firstly on Zaki, the, the horse is a freak talent, um, prepared by one of the best trainers going around. Annabelle Nation's only been doing it for two or three years and she's already just propelled herself to the top with these elite type horses so well done to them but i've already sort of touched on yonce i thought she was very good on the heavy track back to 1600 she this she's had now seven starts in her first campaign so um look for a horse to to be able to produce these types of performances and get to a group one in your seventh start of your first three-year-old campaign i thought that was super impressive she didn't lose any admirers on the weekend i'm happy to follow her and hopefully get back on a good track see what happens in in uh, melbourne for the spring and just quietly, there could be an empire rose on the card. So I think that's a, that's a, obviously we're talking four or five months down the track, but I might take some all in and, and see what sort of price we can get about her. It does appear a really nice race for her. I'd love to see her back at Flemington. She just, that big, big track, hopefully a dryish deck, even soft's okay for her. I, I agree. I think it's going to be a really good horse to continue to follow. Um, we've obviously recorded this Monday night. We'll get it up, make sure that everyone have a listen. And then we're going to try and do our preview for, for probably the last day of the autumn carnival. We're going to do that Thursday, get it out to everyone. I mean, we might have a bit of an exciting sort of prospect for everyone too, leading into our final day. Awesome. Great stuff, Jacko. It's been a pleasure, brother. One to come, mate. Cheers.